We are in Ksubis Samaches Amar Aleph, 68a, beginning with a new Mishnah. This entire parak, this entire chapter, uh, the Mishnayas, we're essentially discussing the concept of a Nidunya, the concept of the father of the bride uh, bringing in money into their marriage to help support them. And we discussed what happens at the end of a marriage, how much does the husband have to return to his wife at the end of the marriage from the nidunya, from the dowry that's brought into the marriage. Uh, and we mentioned that the assumed amount is 50 zuz. If it's not explicitly stated by the father, we assume that it's 50 zuz, a uh, minimal amount uh, essentially to get out of poverty. Uh, but we'll see in our Mishnah, our Mishnah is really focusing on what happens if the father is no longer alive. The father is no longer alive, uh, so then, and his daughter gets married, so then there is a concept of giving 10% of his estate, 10% of his estate towards that marriage. But there's also a concept that really it might depend upon uh, if we have some prior knowledge of how much the father, let's say, gave to a previous daughter who was ma- who got married. So then could we use those numbers uh, to figure out uh, how much the father would have given if he would be alive, if he were to be alive, to the current daughter who is getting married. So that will be the topic um, for this mishnah. So let, let's see the different opinions on this mission inside. Essentially, let's say if the father's not alive. So let's say we're discussing here a katana, a girl under the age of 12. Now keep in mind, uh, in the days of the Gemara, the girls would get married between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. That was considered the norm. And it was also possible for, on a rabbinic level, the rabbi said that usually the father is in charge of and oversees who she marries. The father's not alive. So then on a rabbinic level, we said that uh, the mother or the brothers of the girl uh, could uh, could marry her off has to be with her knowledge with her consent under the age of twelve, and she could back out until the age of twelve until the normal time for for a girl in the days of the Gemara to get married um, and so she could always she could always back out, but that would be viewed as a marriage as a rabbinic marriage, but that would be viewed as a marriage if she gets if she 's married under the age of twelve so if the fa- if the brothers or the mother marry her off, not the father, the father is not alive. And they write that they are giving her as a dowry 100 or 50, but she really deserves more. As we'll see, it's, uh, the amount should really be, uh, the standard amount should be 10, 10% of his estate, so it could be more. After this katana gets married, this young girl under the age of 12 gets married, she has the right uh, to uh, get more and receive more for her dowry, to take it away from the brothers. The brothers essentially received the estate, inherited the estate, and so she could demand more, she could demand the 10% from the estate. This is not for today's class, but the Gemara later on, on the next page, and on the base, and uh, on the second side, uh, we'll discuss what happens if we're not, not discussing a katana, a young girl under the age of 12, but what happens if she's above the age of 12? Uh, do we say the same thing or not? So that will be coming up uh, in the next class. Uh, but says the Mishnah, continues the Mishnah, 
Rabida Omer, Imhisias Abbas, Harishona, Yinatin, Lishnia, Kedar, Shinas, and Rishona. Rabbi says it's not really 10%. It doesn't have to be 10%. According to Rashi, it could either be below 10% or above 10%. Because if we know that, let's say, the father married her off to, uh, married off her his first daughter uh, while he was alive, and we know how much he gave, maybe he gave above 10%, maybe he gave below 10%. So then we do the same thing for the second daughter, even if the father is not alive. We basically could follow the principle of umdana, of the assumed amount, because we have what to work with. The Chacham argue, the Chacham argue, and they say, this will be explained in the Gemara, but the conclusion of the Chachamim is that no, it's possible that the person changes their mind. Even if, if it could be a few years ago, the father was more generous towards his daughter, but it's possible that uh, he changes his attitude and uh, he's less generous and he wants to give less towards uh, his second his second daughter's marriage. So it cannot be, we cannot, says the Chacham, arguing on Rabbi we cannot go based on a previous marriage and what we could assume that the father would give. No, we can't do that. Rather, we give an automatic 10% of the, of the property, of the estate. And that is the amount that we will, that we will give. That's the position of the Chacham. Okay, so essentially... We had two parts of the Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah was that the Kitana, the young girl under the age of 12, has the right to claim more if she did not receive the right amount, if she received less for the dowry. The second point was this dispute, this argument between Rehud and the Chachamim about what happens if we know how much the father gave while he was alive to a daughter. Could we assume that he would give the same amount after he passes away to the second daughter? And that was a dispute between Rehuda and the Chachamim. Says the Gemara, the opening line, Amr Shmuel Parnasa Shaman Ba'av. Shmuel says, seemingly the position of Rabbi Huda, the Gemara will discuss this, but Shmuel has an opening line where he says that when it comes to the Nadunya, the dowry, when the father is uh, no longer alive, the way we assess how much the father would give would be based on how much how how well we know the father. Um is he somebody who's giving, is he somebody who's not giving? Um and that will determine how much you'll give. It's not it's not a uh, a defined amount of ten percent of his estate, it would be, um, it would be relative to what we know about the father. If the father is giving giving to his children or not, that is the same to Shmuel. The Gemara will question the position of Shmuel first from a Brisa and following from our very Mishnah, from the position of the Chachamim, as we just mentioned. It seems like the Chachamim argue on this. So let's first see the Brisa. Mesevei, Habanos Nidonosim is Parnasos Avian. The daughters, after the fa- their their father passes away, they receive um, the the estate is given over to the sons. However, the sons have to support their sisters when it comes to the dowry and when it comes to food, they have to continue to support their sisters. We don't uh, try to figure out how much the father would give. It's not based on how much the father would give, but it is a it is a defined amount. So the Gemara says, "My love, Parnassus Ha'abal, aren't we discussing here the Nedunya, the dowry? Then when it comes to the dowry, it's a very specific amount. It's a set amount. It's not an analysis of what the father would give. So that seems to be against Shmuel. Shmuel's whole point was that it is an analysis of what the father would have given. So the Gemara says, no, we're not discussing the dowry. The whole Bryce is not discussing the dowry. We're discussing what she receives on her own. The Gemara says, but we, but that was the first word. 
My love Achas Parnasas Abal of Achas Parnasas Atzma. Lo, Idi Vidi Parnasas Atzma, Lukasha Haba Chile Vishtia, Vahabavusha Vikisuya. The Gemara essentially says that no, the Brysa has nothing to do with a dowry. The point of the Brysa is to tell you two things. One is that when it comes to the food, meaning her eating and her drinking, the brothers have to support her. And the other one is when it comes to clothing. When it comes to clothing, the brothers also have to support her to provide clothing for her. And when it comes to that, the point is that we don't evaluate based on what the father wants to give. It's really a set amount. It's a very specific amount. It's a set amount. This is something that we, in fact, actually had in a Mishnah a few weeks ago, that what is the minimal amount? It really is based on the, the family's wealth and history. But the, the bare minimal amount was discussed in a previous Mishnah of how much one would have to give. The Mishnah was discussing if the husband's not around, but this is where the father's not around. How much you would have to give his daughter? Okay, so that's the rejection of question number one. Question number one, Shmuel says originally the dowry is determined based on how much we know about the, the father and whether he's a giving person or not. We ask the question from the Brysa, and the Gemara says, no, the Brysa has nothing to do with the dowry. It has to do with how much we give to the sister uh, from the estate that is in the hands of, the, of her brothers um, with regards to food and with regards to clothing. Okay, now our Mishnah, Tana Rabbana, or Tanan. The Chacham say that sometimes a person is poor and then becomes rich, or rich and then becomes poor, and therefore we should just determine it based on 10%. The Gemara analyzes this and asks, My Ani Masha, what does it mean that he, the father is sometimes poor, sometimes wealthy? How could it be? We can't be referring to a case where uh, his his uh, economic status has changed, that he has become poor, he's become wealthy. That can't be the case, uh, because obviously if that happens, so then we have to reevaluate, reassess. And the first opinion, Rabbi Huda, is, is arguing with the Chachamim and saying that no, it's the same amount, but he would never say such a thing. If the father doesn't have any money left over, he would never say, ah, oh, the father still has to give the same amount that he gave to his first daughter who got married cannot be. That, that wouldn't make any sense that he'd have to do that. So what does it mean that he became poor, became rich? Obviously, if he changes his economic status, so then we also would have to change the amount that we give towards the dowry. So what is it referring to? What it's referring to is uh, how, much they, how much the father wants to give. The Chama are saying that uh, a person could always change their mind. That sometimes they could have the attitude of a poor person who wants to keep it. Sometimes they could have the attitude of a wealthy person who wants to give his money. So the Chacham say, because a person could always change their mind, so we can't go based on a, a prior marriage. Uh, rather, it's always 10%. And the Rabbi Huda argues and says, no, uh, we could go based on a prior marriage. So, so the question is on Shmuel. The Chacham seems to say that we do not go based on the father's um, mindset, what we assume to be the father's mindset. He's, he passed away, but what would we assume? The Chacham said, we can't do that because a person can always change their mind. And they, they fluctuate in terms of how much of a giving person they are. Uh, so that seems to be a contradiction to Shmuel. Shmuel says that we do go based on the father. So the Gemara answers, Shmuel must hold like the position of Rabbi Yehuda, who argues on the Chachamim in our Mishnah, that Rabbi Huda says, if he already married a girl off, his daughter off while he was alive, 
So then we could determine how much he would give to his second daughter, even if he passed away, based on how much he gave to his first daughter. And that's the position of Shmuel, that we, we go based on how much how well we know the father. So the Gemara asks, well, so then wait a minute, slow down. So why didn't Shmuel just say that? Why didn't he just say that we follow the position of Rabbi Yehuda? So the Gemara has, a, uh, has an interesting answer. The Gemara says, Basically, the Gemara answers that he didn't want to say that the law is like Rabbi Huda because then that would imply that it's limited to cases where we know that the father already, situation where the father already married off one daughter. But that's not what Shmuel is trying to teach us. Really, and Rabbi Huda also. It really has nothing to do with whether he married off one do- his first daughter. Yes, that helps. Helps us determine the, uh, the 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 state of the father and how, how much he's willing to give. But even if he didn't, the point of, of Shmuel is that even if he did not marry off his daughter, we can still try to figure out and analyze and figure out how much would the father would have he have given uh, to this daughter, even if he didn't marry anybody off. We could we could always try to figure it out. So the Gemara just adds, The reason why Rabbi Huda was discussing marriage, where he married somebody off uh, originally, before he passed away, is really to tell us the opposite, to tell us how far the Chachamim, the other opinion would go, that even though we know exactly how much he gave to the first marriage, the Chachamim still take the position that we cannot go based on that, that uh, people always change in terms of how generous they are, we cannot go based on the first time he marries off his daughter when he's alive. And that's why we mention the concept of marriage. But even if he did not marry somebody off, Rabbi Huda and Shmuel would both be of the opinion that we still try to figure out where exactly, how much would the father give. Okay, so therefore we have rejected both the Brisa and our Mishnah is not a proof against Shmuel. We saw the position of Shmuel. Okay, the Gemara continues. Rav says to Rav Chista that uh, we uh, heard, in a positive sense, we heard in your name, that you follow Rabbi Huda. You say that the law is like Rabbi Huda. So Rav Chista says, yeah, this is great. This is great that people are saying this in my name, uh, and this is a wonderful thing. Says the Gemara, Umi Amar Rava Hachi. Did Rava really use this as a praise for Rabbi Huda? Rabbi Huda, again, is the one that says, that we do go based on how much would the father give. But did, did Rava really say this? Rabbi says that a daughter takes 10% of the estate if the father passed away, and Rava says we follow that position. It sounds like it's a set amount. The Gemara answers, no. No, when we say you give 10%, that number is only when we cannot figure it out. We cannot figure out how much the father would give. Then we say, okay, the baseline is 10%, but if we could figure it out, it's different. We change it. And we could even prove this to you. We can prove this to you because Rebbe is the one who said that we give 10%. Elsewhere he said, he gave a story where Rebbe gave um, gave uh, one twelfth gave one twelfth of his. There was a story where he, where he he said to give one twelfth of his estate. So is it ten percent or is it one twelfth? So it fluctuates. It depends. It depends on how much of a giving person. If we if we know how 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 much the father would give, we go based on that. If we don't know, then we go based on ten percent. That's the point. 
uh, even within Rabbi Huda and even within Shmuel, say that we try to figure it out. If we don't know, in the end of the day, we give 10%. Okay, a few more lines in the Gemara. Gufa. Amar Rabbi Basin Nezuz Menachem Natal Sisun Nechassim. What we just said. Rabbi says, give 10%. So Amar Lo Rabbi, L'Divrecha Mishishlo Eser Banos V'Ben. Ain Lo Ben Ba'makom Benos Klum. They ask him, okay, what happens if you have a case where you have 10 daughters who uh, the father passes away with 10 daughters and one son? We know that when it comes to the laws of inheritance, the son is the one who receives the estate. But in this case, you have 10 daughters. Each one gets 10%. You're left with nothing. The son gets nothing, and that's not allowed. The son has to have something. Uh, and he's left with totally nothing. Is that is that Are, are we really saying that? So Amr Lahan, Rebbe clarifies, he says essentially as follows. The first, there's 10 daughters who are getting married after the father passed away. First daughter takes 10% of the estate. The second daughter takes 10% of what's remaining, which is really, there's 90 remaining. If they start off with 100, 10 out of the 100 go to the first daughter. You're left with 90. So then 9 of that 90 is given to the second daughter. Then 81. And that 8.1 is given to the third daughter. So on and so forth. It comes out that it's about, um, not 10%. It comes out uh, to essentially... Uh, we'll see that uh, we take all all of that. We take all all of the uh, amount that's given, and we divide it up even evenly between all ten daughters. We do not say that the oldest daughter should get more. We divide it up evenly, and if you divide it up evenly, essentially it comes out to about six percent of the entire estate, um, and not and not ten percent. Sorry, what I mean by that is what I mean by that is that the the last daughter gets about six percent, um, and if you calculate it, obviously it can come out to more than ten percent. Um, but I believe the the remaining son would get about thirty four percent, something like that. I believe, uh, but the uh, the ten the ten daughters divide up it divide up evenly. So the Gemara says, They each take. Why why do they divide it up evenly? Why don't we have it in order? The first order to getting married gets 10%. The next order gets 10% of what's remaining. And so on and so forth. Why do we say that they divide up evenly? So the Gemara explains, uh, This is now on Samachas and Bay 68b. It explains as follows that when do we say that they all share the entire amount? That's if they all get married at the same time. Yes, if they get married at different times, then the oldest one gets 10% of the estate and the next one gets 10% of what's remaining, and so on and so forth. But if they all get married at the same time, the way we should do this is not that everybody gets 10% because then we'll be left with nothing if there's 10 daughters, but rather we take uh, we pretend like they're all getting married at different times and then add it all up and divide it up evenly because they're all getting married at the same time. So what it means is is that uh, they they uh, if they're all getting married at the same time, so then we sort of add it up as if they're getting married at different times, but we really readjust and, and we, we we give it divide it up evenly amongst all ten daughters. But the point of doing all this is really for the purpose of making sure that the son has something. We need to make sure the son has something because this is really a rabbinic idea, and on a biblical level, the son is the one who has to be yorish; he has to inherit. So we really want to make sure that the son gets some of the receives some of the estate. Okay? This concludes this part of the Gemara. We'll continue with the next part of the Gemara in the next class.